Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake BJ Shea is here. How do? How to do? And running the boards is Joey D's. Hey, howdy. I don't know why this is like, we already talked about Westworld. I don't know why I was doing that. But on today's <laughs> show, BJ will give us a review or at least discuss a board game. Yeah. We'll talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We'll get into Stranger Things. Oh. And then, of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. 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 <laughs> or just search BJ Shays Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app. Odyssey. <laughs> Lots of ways to get a hold of us, and we got a lot of stuff to cover, so let's get right into it. BJ, it's been a while since you've been here, so uh, what's been going on in your little board game universe? Board games? Well, there's a lot, as you know, but I have to give credit to, you know, usually board games that we get take a long time, a very long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a company called Board and Dice, which is becoming uh, one of my favorite board game companies. Uh, they do the, the, they call them the T games, is uh, Tenet to Wantu, Tenet to Hanka. I mean, I can't even pronounce wow. some of these games. Uh, they also do Trismegistus, and uh, they, they've, uh, uh, yeah, fast. Uh, I believe Anachrony is also a board oh, and dice yeah, game. Oh, okay. Um, and so this this company has really put out some good stuff, uh, and uh, Multi-Universum way back in the day, which I still like, is a very cool portable game. that uh, uh, Board and Dice is, is, is doing stuff, including a game called Zapotec. <laughs> and uh, Zapotec is, uh, well, basically, it's uh, based on a pre-Columbian civilization. And Vicky, let's see if it's a, a ba- in that flourish in the valley of Oaxaca. Oh, no, a Oaxaca. Oaxaca. Oaxaca, that's it. Damn you it. should try the cheese. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm not kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, this is, and this is in Mesoamerica. They got evidence going back 2,500 years. So these guys have based this game on that culture. And uh, you're building temples, you're building cornfields and villages in the three valleys surrounding the capital to generate resources you need to build pyramids, make sacrifices to the gods, and perform rituals. Very colorful game. Uh, you know, good. it has a lot of good components that are fun. Yeah, everyone has their own little pyramids you can try to build. And uh, there's an area majority involved with it. Some hand management. Open drafting is fun in the game. And it's quick. That is, I mean, when a game says it takes, you know, uh, what it takes to play, and this one says it takes maybe 60 to 75 minutes, and it can play up to four players, they're not kidding. Usually, you've got to go, no, all right, if it it says it takes 75 minutes and and the four player is the max, you go, it's probably going to take three hours. And, yeah, right. But Zapotec, no. It 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 it's a it's a game where you go, all right, I like this. I know what I'm trying to do, trying to figure it out. The drafting mechanic of it all, as well as you trying to work out the grid of your own resource system so that you can get what you need and activate what you need so that you can every turn get the resources that you want in order to do one of the many things that you might want to do for the, the many paths of victory. Uh it's uh you know, so if you're loving if you're loving games based on historical culture and and you love colorful looking games and they they, they did a nice job with that. Uh, if you love corn and you love brick, <laughs> I do love corn. You know, hey, <laughs> you love building temples and you want it to be quick. I think that's really the key thing. This game is a really quick game, considering that it feels like it's a a, a much heavier game, and you feel like it might even go longer than it does. 
It's it, but it's you're like wow that was quick and I think I would like to play this again. I like the uh, I like the style of it. I like the art style. It's got kind of a, a kind of a base kind of uh, earthy earthy tones when it comes down to, it, to the game boards and stuff like that. So it really kind of fits you into the the whole aspect of what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a it's a definite win, and it's not a tea game. We were wondering like you know are they going to make <laughs> every game based on a tea game? But obviously Zapotec is based on a real culture. So uh, and I think I'm saying that right. Zapotec or Zapotec? I'm not sure. Zapotec. Zapotec. Oh, Zapotec. I believe. Z a p o o t e c. Zapotec. Zapotec. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Uh, if you want to say it like an idiot, say it like me. Otherwise, be <laughs> legit. And I'm and I'm probably. It's one of those like you say it over and over again in your head. It doesn't make sense anymore. So I'm like now I'm doubting myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, all I know is is that it's a really fun game, and it's uh, it's a, I believe it's it's available for purchase from these folks. Uh, Thirty five bucks if you go to different places. Check it out, maybe Amazon. Our, I think our buddies at Zulu's Board Game Cafe in Bothell, Washington, has it. I'm sure you know you can check on Amazon, check on Miniature Market, uh, places like that online. If you're not close to Bothell, Washington, of course, I always you know FLGS support them if you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Zulu's is awesome. They, hey, Zulu's will try to get you any game you want, actually. Yeah, I mean, um, and that's like one of the beauties. If you're not fortunate enough to be up in this area for Zulu's, check out your local gaming store. A lot of the times they'll have at least the knowledge of being able to get those. So you can ask them about it. Like a lot of them, a lot of the local gaming stores are more than accommodating to try to make sure and get that sale. And give a lot of love to Fabio yeah. Lopiano, who was the designer, and uh, Umgelter and Zawada were the artists, uh, which, of course, Rev, you said you like the art of it all. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, Vicky, how do we say the names? Zapotec? Zapotec. Zapotec. There we go. Perfect. Porting dice games. <laughs> awesome. Now, we do need to talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Now, the season has completed, correct? It's done! Now, and that was, gosh, I think I saw your post about it where you were gushing. Yes, I was. Like, and you were just talking about, like, how much you loved it and how it, like, it cleared up, like, plot. Plot holes and stuff like yes, that sir. from like older series. Like, oh yeah, it it's a it's. I think it's a little bit of a feat to make that happen in terms of just like you as a lifelong Star Trek fan finding something and you've liked and you found good things about all of the series, even like you know, the very new ones and stuff like that. But for you to come out with like basically just like a brick of text talking about how much you really liked it, it had to have done something special. And I see a lot of other people who uh, who have been, you know, off and on about some of the other uh, the uh, newer fare that have come out here who just says that they have loved Strange New World so much. Yeah, there are Kurtzman haters that will always be Kurtzman haters and Kurtzman Fair. is the yeah. producer, basically one of the big guys that have brought Trek in every iteration that we see it today as far as at least being like the head honcho producer guy of all these shows. Um, and so... Yeah, everyone's going to hate him. They just they, they do. So it's just what they do. They do. But uh, the, the the last episode, the season finale, was a quality of mercy. And I know Joey D's, you saw it. I did. Uh, Joey D's hasn't watched the original series much. Uh, Joey, pretty much, uh, you're a next gen guy, Deep Space Nine, mostly Voyager two. Uh, I think, if I yeah, remember. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, yeah I, and I remember just when you were a little kid, us watching Voyager on a really bad TV, trying to <laughs> get the UHF channel in <laughs> oh, back in the day. memories. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm interested to see what Joey thought of the episode, because he doesn't have the historical love or probably didn't even recognize what was going on. I as soon as as soon as the episode was unraveling, I recognized what was going on because I watched the original series. 
Joey doesn't have that, so I'm wondering how the episode felt to him not having that historical oh, yeah. lens that I was looking through. That's a good point. Objectively, it was okay, but I didn't like it because I was time travel in it, and time uh, travel is just very boring to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and this is like very much a stated thing for you, and yeah. it's like, and it's it seems like it's one of those things that a lot of shows are leaning on is like the time travel aspect. I knew that from the first episode, though, because Pike essentially his whole storyline is I know what's going to happen to me in ten years, and I can't diverge from that story path and so every episode is kind of just like okay so am i going to diverge from the story path and it's like no you already said you weren't going to (laughs) and so you kind of know where it's going to end up so i don't know this this episode was the same way because i haven't seen any of the original i didn't get any of the references so i'm kind of just like okay well yeah clearly there are going to be consequences for you making other actions than your actions you would have made normally and you know he's like got his his future self comes to tell him not to do it but don't trust your future self. Let me show you why you shouldn't do it. And it's like, well, <laughs> okay, sure. Why not? We'll have that episode. Then then the episode itself, when it gets into it, is fine. Because then they kind of battle, battle the Romulans who are attacking the uh, Enterprise. And it's a shout out and an homage to the other episode. Apparently, they do another timeline of the same episode they had in the original series, which is cool. But again, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm like, yeah, I mean, this is Star Trek, which is fine. Which I complained why Discovery wasn't and why Picard really wasn't. But it's like we can't move past any of the, the content that's already been made. I feel like we're just sludging through the same storylines. And it's like, ugh, guys, like this is 2022. Let's let's venture off into some new characters or something. And this is the problem. I don't know how you make next-gen Deep Space Nine Voyager fans happy. That, Be- yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know how you do that because it, I think that's the problem because uh, finally the old TOS people, mm-hmm. we're happy because that's because everything Joey just said is what they're doing. Um, <laughs> here's the, and, and the other problem is, is that one of the most beloved original series episodes ever was called Balance of Terror. Starring Mark Leonard, who went on later to play Spock's dad, Sarek. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. And and but he was. We first saw him as a Romulan commander, and basically anybody that knows movies knows that it was a ripoff of a great submarine movie called The Enemy from Below. I think it's called. I think that's the name of the movie. And they're going. This whole thing was a ripoff of The Enemy from Below, and it definitely had submarine feel where Kirk was hunting a Romulan ship, mm-hmm. basically sub-hunting. You know, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, because you're, you're a cloak, right? Yeah, you're an aircraft yeah. carrier and you're hunting a sub. Is basically, Absolutely, yeah. And, and that was, and it's considered one of the best Star Trek episodes from the original series. Fantastic episode. Um, and it's a very Cold War feeling kind mm-hmm. of a thing, too. Yeah. Um, and so people don't know that this Romulan commander from the original series was tired of war. He was tired of the way his people were regarding their place in the galaxy, but he was also a, a, a man of duty. Romulans are people of duty. Yeah. <laughs> and so the original and so the idea that we they built up all season that C- Captain Pike is a guy that's very reasonable. He's not a cowboy diplomat. I mean, he really is somebody let's find a peaceful resolution to the point where he doesn't think that shooting first is the best way to go. He will shoot, but not first. Mm-hmm. So seeing Kirk, where Paul Wesley from The Vampire Diaries came on and played Kirk, and a lot of people thought he was a horrible Kirk. And again, you know, you try to tell everybody this is a different Kirk because it's a whole different timeline that was adjusted because Captain Pike decided to not do what he did that would have led him to his accident. Yeah. That's why this where whole thing. he was thing the happened. man in the box. So they showed, okay, <laughs> here's what happens if you don't do everything you're supposed to do, meaning you've got to be the man in the box. 
and they go through and see an alternate Kirk. We see an alternate everybody. And, boy, it was brilliant. They took us beat for beat. He has a different crew than Kirk had. Kirk is on another ship as a captain. He's a different kind of captain, but he still has a lot of Kirk-like qualities. And um, they both go at this Romulan ship, but because Kirk defers to Pike, it ends up going badly. Oh, and it oh, dang. End, not only does it end up going, it goes badly to the point where the Romulans declare war on the Federation and will probably kick the Federation's ass. It, what wow. we what we've come to find out is that Kirk, actually being a cowboy crazy man, actually <laughs> made the Romulans, who are so sneaky and so distrustful and need to have an overwhelming advantage before they're going to come at you, that they probably could have won. But because Kirk blew up their ship in the original series, the Romulans were like, all right, never mind. Even though they probably could have won. <laughs> they could have, but yeah, yeah at that but they point, were like, they, never they, mind. Yeah, like any sign of strength was enough for them just to back down. And that's what wow. the difference was, is that Kirk said, F this, I'm going to blow that ship out of the sky. And that's what the Kirk in this one kept saying to Pike. We really should blow the ship out of the sky. And Pike's, no. And he decides to try to make peace, which was a good way to go because the Romulan commander really did wish he could make peace. Problem was, is Kirk never offered him that in the original. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it never was an option. And it's a brilliant episode for the time. And of course, it's a ripoff of an old movie. I love that they recreated it here, showing what Pike did and showing that sometimes even with the best intentions, you made a wrong move. And it also tied up a really big plot hole that was forced upon um, Roddenberry and, and the first season of Star Trek on NBC. They did a show called The Cage. It wasn't approved. And Jeffrey Hunter wasn't going to be the captain. They changed the name to Captain Kirk. So there was never any Captain Pike before. They weren't even going to talk about him. Yeah. But then NBC said, you know, we spent a lot of money on that. And we're going to... We're going to air it. (laughs) You need to air it in some way, shape, or form. So they came up with this ridiculous plot where Captain... Where Spock kidnaps, kidnaps Captain Pike and takes him away, breaks all these Starfleet regulations, and it's like... Why did Spock do that? He's the most logical. He wouldn't. He wouldn't do it. But it seemed like it was for an emotional reason. A lot of folks thought we 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 kind of go. All right. Well, we love the show. We're going to forget. Yeah, you just, yeah. You just deal with it. So the fact that in this alternate timeline, the reason, the real reason, Captain Pike doesn't pursue what he was going to pursue to change the timeline is that Spock gets horrifically destroyed, basically. And it, no matter what Pike has tried to do to alternate his own future, alter his own future, oh. Spock always dies. And basically, when he says the future of Romulan peace with the Federation, Spock has to live, which is a tie-in all the way to Star Trek The Next Generation because he's the one that unified the Romulans and the Vulcans. Oh, jeez. So he's like, if Spock doesn't live, which basically it is Spock doesn't live or he's a vegetable anyway, is that you, we, we, have to, we have to have our future happen, Christopher. And then at the end of this episode, Spock comes in, sees Normal Pike, and says, hey, dude, what's up? And he's like, yeah, I, I, I've decided, you know, I'm not going to be what I'm going to be. I'm at peace with what my future is. And Spock is, like, savvy enough to go, seems like you've seen something. What's, what's going on? And, and then, you know, Pike said, yeah, I saved a friend. And Spock said, Did anybody we know, anybody you know? And he goes, yeah. yeah. And Spock goes, hmm, I feel mm. like I owe you a debt of gratitude, and I'm not sure just how much. <laughs> and that then sets right up there. him kidnapping him and taking him to the, to the, the 
the planet where he's able to live out his life thinking he's okay, even though he's still in a wheelchair. Yeah. It, it, so it fixed up a really big plot hole from the original series, which was a horrible plot hole, again, because NBC was too cheap and said, find a way to put this in. Wow. That's why I thought brilliantly done. But also then at that point, I could also see why Joe would be just like, I don't get yeah, this. If you, yeah, if you, <laughs> context is king. If you loved it the way I loved it, you're going, you know, you're just like anything. I tell you, like watching the Marvel movies. Yeah, we, you know, Avengers Endgame, I think you loved it as much because of what you've seen before. Yeah. But if you didn't see all that before, would you love it as much? I think that's what, that's a real hard thing for Joe because he didn't see it and didn't well, love it. That's kind of my point. Objectively, it's not a bad episode. Right? Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Neither is the series bad. My problem with it is, is our gen, like this generation, whatever, 2020s or whatever, mm-hmm. is not getting a Star Trek. It's just getting old Star Treks redone for its new time and i just feel like you know you had the next you you had next gen you had the original you had voyager you had enterprise whether they're good or bad it doesn't you know doesn't matter i just don't feel like these cable networks have done a very good job of making you feel like star trek is coming back in a new way it kind of just feels like we're rehashing the old stuff which is you know fine in its old way here's and here's the problem that you have is that they will argue, yeah, we are doing Star Trek in a new way. It's called Discovery, and they're gonna and people go, no, that's not Star Trek. And it's like, okay, I don't know what. To <laughs> yeah, tell you. that seems like a catch twenty two. Because I down heard to that it. Yeah. from my brother. I remember when Next Gen came on, and my brother watched the show with this me. This isn't my and Star Trek, and that's what he said. He goes, I, yeah. this isn't Star Trek. What is this? Yeah, well, this, this is di- di- diplomacy. Well, so it's hard to. What are you gonna? Discovery's do? problem is though, it doesn't really interact with the alien races, right? The the, the overarching or the overarching plots are against non-terrestrial. Beings. It's essentially just like, oh, there's a big calamity and we have to solve it. And it's not really anyone against. It's kind of like a co- cooperative board game. The plots are all we're fighting against one thing together and it's like an inanimate object. Is that Star, Tre- Star Trek at its best? I don't really think so. I think when Star Trek shines is when it's either fighting the Borg who are, you know, this interesting idea between, you know, sentience and AI mm-hmm. or the when they're fighting Romulans and Klingons, you know, together, that kind of a thing. No, that's not to say that they don't all have their other episodes as well. You know, there was a bunch of filler back in the 24-episode oh, oh. seasons, but <laughs> yeah. those were the best ones. These ones, you know, the other ones, I don't know. And, Rev, this is a generation gap because I've said it before and I've posted in so many Star Trek groups. I think the last season of Discovery was one of the best Trek of all shows Trek seasons ever. Wow. Yeah, I really the, do. The one with the gambling episode? Oh, yeah. No, but it didn't make any sense. All <laughs> yeah. the characters broke all their models. All right. All right, you two. All right, father oh. and son. You ta- it's you guys a generation get, fight, baby! You guys oh. can argue about that because we need to move on. And I think a couple of uh, a couple of us need to get out of this room unless they want to be spoiled for Stranger Things. Oh, right. Yeah, yes. yeah sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Vicky, Joe, get out wow. of here. BJ and I are going to nerd out a little bit and Look talk about Stranger Things Volume 2. It, well, and you know, I'm not going to blame you guys too much because these these last two episodes out of this nine episode series yeah. were very very long. Yes, they like were. the last one was two and a half hours. Yeah, I was kind of okay with that, but just because you know you're not going to have like the reset you have to have for each episode, so I was kind of okay with the fact that you're like, oh, we're just getting into this. This is going to be the setup. This is going to be the big fight, and the these last two like. It was it was a good setup for the characters. Yes. But also when I was talking about in terms of like like the boys uh, on last episode, I, I kind of was whelmed at the ending. Yeah. It was a lead into the last season because we all knew that season five will now be the last season. Yeah. So it it really ended very unfulfillingly. Yeah. And not in like a 
I guess like not in like an Empire Strikes Back sort of way. It just felt like it was like, oh yeah, you guys, you guys needed to end it, so we're gonna have a big battle, and it's gonna go away, you know, the way that it did. But it just it when I when I finished, I was like. Uh, okay, when do we have to wait for the next one? I will say that, yeah, if, if, uh, I, I bet I'm going to love it more because it was a great season. It was. I bet I'm going to love it more when I get season five and I can binge both together. It might I will be. Like, yeah. I will like, but you're right. It, you're like, oh my gosh, this was such a lead up. And then you made us wait a couple of weeks before you released the last two episodes, which really could have been four episodes if you wanted them. And, and, and yet, I really love the season, and yeah, is that 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 same thing? We get to learn the origin of of uh, Vecna, yes, uh, Henry One, whatever the hell you want to call him, which was even a great number one with, with Robin, who is just like, what the hell do we call him? And everyone's like, yes, yeah, whichever one you just said right then at that point. And so we see at the end of uh, Volume One was the the origin story of Henry and how that happened, how Eleven basically. I don't know if she created the Upside Down, but definitely banished Vecna to the Upside Down. Yeah. And through all of this, we find out that also that Henry is the Mind Flayer, and he basically harnessed the power of the giant smoke spider, and like he was it all along. And if you go uh, do a a YouTube search for uh, a screen rant, it's it's one of the guys that they post on YouTube, it's a channel, and they have a thing how they believe we saw Vecna in, in season one. Oh yeah, I bet you. There's we thought things. it was we thought it was a demogorgon, and they have a little view, and it's like oh. they go, we believe they 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 we believe this was Vecna. I, I I watched that video recently, which you know, and they said the Duffer brothers were very clear that Vecna was from the beginning. Yeah, and so they, they, this is something yeah. they so. If they threw Vecna into such a way that it, we just assumed it was a Demogorgon, but it was Vecna the whole time, I'm like, good job, guys. Yeah, yeah, right? good job. And so when we got to the when we got to this point for these last two episodes, we had essentially four groups. We had the Russian contingency yeah. of of Hopper, of uh, Joyce and uh, Yuri and Aunt, uh, whatever the the yeah, the, the, the guard, the, the, the Russian guard. guard. I guard can't guy. remember. Yeah. yeah. Um. So they were trying to get out. Uh, going back and forth between whether or not they have to go to the place, uh, you know, go back to the jail and come back. So that was kind of fun on that. We had um, the Surfer Boy group, yeah, which was, it was you know, which was just them trying to find Eleven, uh, Eleven, and dealing with Nina. And then we had the Hawkins group, which was, you know, the big Scooby gang at that point trying to hide away Eddie and just trying to figure out what they're going to do. Finally deciding that they were going to fight everything. Oh, yeah. And then everything came together in a way that with such a huge ensemble cast, that's that's just a credit to like how well the Duffers wrote all of this. They were able to bring everything together. Everybody had a part. I didn't feel anybody was wasted as we're going along with these last episodes. Yeah, I agree. I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm trying to think of anybody. I don't think anybody had a spot where they didn't have an integral part of what was going down. Even Erica, whom has been a, a shining moment. The actress, the actress is amazing. Oh, she's so good. She's yeah. so good. But yeah. like, just having her be able to have some parts in it, and that's uh, I, Priya Ferguson. You're talking she about. She was, yeah. and she was great. She's in, always been. She's yeah, a, she's a scene stealer. Yes. I mean, she really is. And even as she gets older, you know, because look, you go, okay, cute little kids are always something. Yeah. But she's older. And she's still stealing scenes. Mm-hmm. It's like that, that. She's got chops, man. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. So we see everybody enacting their plans, and even finally having uh, have like essentially we need Max's bait, 
and they just realized that because she was one of the ones that had been traumatized and Vecna had been screwing with her throughout the whole thing, uh, you know, inadvertently making Kate Bush one of the most popular uh, artists of 2022. Boy, the, the, yeah, the, the, the power of a show, man. Absolutely. And then even to that point with Eddie and do, uh, making it big with uh, Metallica. Metallica saying thank you so much. Right. Greatest thing we ever right. decided to do is let you have our music. Fun part, too, about that because he does uh, play an epic Master of Puppets solo on top of the uh, the Upside Down yeah. uh, trailer. He learned to play that himself. So really? there was a backing track, but he was playing it. I saw some behind-the-scenes stuff of him actually shredding when it goes to it. That's just super cool, and it shows the dedication that these kids have to being to putting out for these roles. I'm trying to think. Like almost every season, there is a beloved character that you lose. Yeah, yeah. There were there there was Barb, Bob, and now Eddie. And <laughs> yes, I, I'm not sure. From I'm, I'm trying to think because that because this is season four, so there should be a fourth person. I don't know if we if I'm whatever season I'm missing that we maybe we lost somebody and I, or we didn't care. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it does seem to be like man, there's all. I mean, you're like no, don't take Eddie. I mean, I'm starting to dig him. Well, oh. and I was I, I was talking with my wife about this. I was like, oh, okay, maybe maybe I'll be sad to see Eddie go. And I was like, yeah, but also he had nowhere to go. Yeah. He only had this this hero's demise as his way of getting out because he was still known as the satanic D&D leader, uh, like uh, creating and murdering all these people. Oh, yeah. Prime suspect. There was no way that he would be redeemed in the eyes of all the Hawkins people. And there was genuine, like the like I got a genuine emotional reaction for myself when Dustin sat down with his uncle in the uh, in the auditorium. Yeah, that was a powerful and just scene. telling him how much of a hero he really was. Like there was a lot of just it was good resolution when it came down to it up until the final Vecna battle, and it just got me into the thing. It was like okay, he got wrecked, but which, he but really he didn't. didn't. No. Like he didn't and. Like having it end up like like everything still going off, like everyone was trying to stop it from Max from dying, and she did end up, you know, dying, but fortunately being brought back by Eleven. Oh, yeah, there's you know, some powers we didn't the, know about. The Deus Ex Machina of yeah. uh, of the powers that she has. I guess she's Princess Leia after all. Yeah, sure, know. why not? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like, okay, you know, we talk about shows that she's people Ray. that yeah, <laughs> yeah. people okay. get their power upgrades, yeah. and you know, like they've been talking about this whole time. Obviously, she had that because that's what they've been leading to this whole time. I didn't know she had resurrection powers, but apparently enough to bring her back. And it doesn't mean that like Max was perfect at the end. She's still, we don't know if she has her eyesight, but she was definitely destroyed by everything. Yeah. This, this, and so it was like. I, th- I don't think he got to the eyes yet. Yeah. I think he got everywhere but the eyes. She was complaining yeah. that she couldn't see, but I think it was, I don't think it was like the removal of the eyes. I think she just had like a sort of like blindness. Yeah, but it, getting close. It recovered. It's yeah. Probably getting close. We'll see. But it was, I was genuinely surprised to see that uh, she like had almost gotten killed completely by Vecna. Stuff had happened and then she ended up still passing, which set off the giant gateway portal that will lead us to five, you know, season five. Yeah. And then everyone just kind of explaining it like they have with everything else. Oh, yeah, there was a fire at the mall. Of course it wasn't a giant Russian portal. Oh, yeah, this was just an earthquake. Yeah. And this isn't a portal to another freaking world that shows four symmetrical, like, crevices that have gone to exactly one point. Yeah, this is just an yeah. earthquake. And That's all. Why is Hawkins so cursed? Like, it's the... 
the obliviousness of the parents and just the willingness to not see what it is. Willful blindness, baby. Because it is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, if you look at it and all of this thing, it's like, yeah, would you believe if this was something that really happened, that it was a portal to another demonic world? No. But at the same point, as we've been watching it, you're like, come on, how can you not? Yeah, you know, eventually you just have to look at the facts. Yeah. And, but, and that's a human thing where some people will just not look at the facts and they will just continue to willfully bl- be willfully blind about stuff. You know, and, and there's many stories in our own history where we've done that, where you go, how did you not know this was going on? And it's, a, you know, uh, I think Brene Brown, if I'm not mistaken, and, and I, if it's not her, I apologize. But, you know, psychologists have come up with like, yeah, that's willful blindness. People yeah. who will just go, I don't see it, even though it's right there in front of them. And people talk about like red flags with people. And yeah. you're like, how did you not see that? Again, it's the same. Thing, yeah. I want to give a lot of love to uh, since we talk about some just the acting. I mean, some people have really stepped up their game, and a lot of talk about Sadie Sink, who has, by the way, the greatest Hollywood name ever, <laughs> uh, who plays Max. And yeah, I've, I've been reading some articles where people think, "Wow, this 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 young actor could be like major." She's really the, good. Yeah, she's she's got skills, man. Um, she's a lot done a of great pe- job. A lot of people are pissed that she got snubbed for the Emmys. Yep. Which makes sense in that sort of thing. But I don't know how many kids have gotten Emmy noms. And I think she's got a wonderful career ahead of her. Like, if this yeah. is just her starting point, it's not going to go anywhere but up for her. Like, she was so good in this and really heartfelt just talking about the like the whole situation with her brother Billy and yeah. just having to deal with all of that. And, I mean, looking back and just seeing her talk about those things, like, especially at, like, his, uh, at his grave. Yeah. And you're just realizing, oh, this was kind of... Everything led up to this point. Like the Duffers know what they're doing when it comes down to it. Because the fact that she was sad and missing him, you know, I was like, I'm glad they pointed out to the fact that no, he was crap to her. And so I love that. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, she missed him, feels guilty, but also like you know, the like probably wanted him out of her life. Yeah, and they did address all of that. And Sadie, I think, played it so well. Yeah. you know, there's there, there, yeah, look when you when you get kid actors, you just don't know like what are they going to totally. be as they get older. Yeah. Um, and all and, of these yeah. all these guys, I don't know if they're fir- their first roles for a lot of them. I think there were, but the fact that they were able to they're able to continue this on for four seasons. We'll get the fifth season. Obviously, at this point, uh, the Duffers have said that the season five will be the finale. There's going to be less character development, so there's going to be a uh, not as long of a season. And I kind of hope that you know. If this was something that they could do in like six episodes that were, you know, about an hour or so, like they were for the first, you know, first volume. Yeah. Or if they come out with like maybe two full fledged movies again at this point, like anything more than that, I think that'd be too much. But I think I just kind of want to get to the meat of it. I want to get to this ending. And we don't need all that character development at this point. We've got a lot. They, again, like we were talking about with the boys on a previous episode, they got rid of a lot of the extra characters so we can get down to the story and finish this up in hopefully a satisfying way. Well, we have a big love triangle, though. We got to. I mean, that's something that's got to be resolved, too. Which one? Uh, Jonathan, Steve, and Nancy. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I thought yeah. for sure Jonathan, Jonathan sobered up. 
So far. Yeah. I mean, he's sobered yeah. up and got off the yeah. drugs. And God, you remember. I mean, that's what I got to say. And they didn't, Joe, they, they didn't like finish it up. I thought yeah. it would be one of those ones where they would finally just be like, no, you're right. We don't need to be together sort of thing. Lots of, you know, and I mean, look, I mean, I mean, you just want to th- you just want to give shouts out, uh, you know, to Millie Bobby Brown, I think, killed it this season. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Really, really loved what she did. And Paul Reiser, I love. And, and Matthew, oh, so Matthew Modine, Papa, mm-hmm. you know, but Charlie Heaton and Joe Carey playing Jonathan and Steve, respectively. I, I love what those guys have done because I hated Jonathan this season. I yeah, and I did I was, not uh, like him, and, and it was just because he was a wasteoid. Yeah, and I really started loving, obviously, you know, Steve when he and Robin got together as buddies, you know, at the yeah. uh, at the ice cream joint. Um, you know, so and, and Steve is the single mother they all need. Yeah, and, and it is so funny. He's like, I got to be with the little kids again, yeah, really. Yep. Um, and 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 the relationship between him and Dustin and what's going on. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, even you know, even Will, you know, poor Will Byers. You just no matter what, Will gets effed in every season. Yeah, and this and, time it was mostly the barber. Yeah, it was the haircut. Oh, like, the haircut was literally yeah, the worst thing. It was yeah. so distracting. And he even asked if they would change it, and they were like, "No, no, we got to keep it this way." Uh, <laughs> it's the '80s, man. Things were not yeah, great during yeah. the '80s. He is right. My, my hair looked like that, so I can't argue. Uh, that's why I got the Greg Brady perm. I had to be Johnny Bravo. Oh my goodness! Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's. I mean, Maya Hawk, who plays Robin, did such a great job. Too. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, Na- and, and Nancy uh, and Natalie Dyer, of course, is Nancy. Yeah, it's just it, it, they really got a really, really good cast, and they're lucky. Oh, and I can't. Brett Gelman, who plays Murray. I mean, so good. Gosh, is he good? God, I love Murray. Yeah, I forgot about Murray. Yeah, Murray is. Uh, and and look, I mean, I, I can't put. I mean, Winona. You know, Winona and David Harbour also. I mean, yeah. Hopper was great. Yes. Uh, I couldn't help but you know, I couldn't help but think, of course, you know, like everyone were in that person that was just like you know the Red Guardian. But hey, uh, <laughs> right? I really kept waiting, you know, for <laughs> for the suit to for, come out, for Black Widow to come out and say, "Hey." <laughs> I mean, they did um, have a prison escape. They scene had a helicopter. In, yeah, yeah. For sure, it's like, hey. <laughs> Is, is Florence Pugh flying right. piloting this? Who's doing this? Uh, but yeah. overall, I mean, I loved it. Uh, I'm really excited to see where they're going to be going with uh, this as we move along. And now it is time for The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got? So I know some of you guys are bummed out that this last Friday passed and there was no new episode of The Boys. And we did talk about it a we lot. We did talk about the season finale and, and it, got into the you know the nitty gritty of it. And I was like I said, it, it, it was a shocker because I... Didn't realize it was the season finale because I'm so used to 10 episode seasons of things. Right. And I was like, boy, this feels like they're really into the season. And oh, they are. Mm. Uh, but I actually came across this list of 13 things you didn't know about the boys, the boys. In, okay. in general, both like the series and some of it having to do with the comic, every, a little bit of everything, mostly okay. the series, though. Fair enough. But apparently, one of the things I had no idea about, but protesters actually showed up during the filming. Really? What? Why? Yeah, so um, like there is a, so much carnage depicted, it didn't sit well with some of the residents in Toronto where they filmed it. <laughs> so while filming a rather disturbing sequence at uh, Mel Lastman Square last year for season two, locals came to protest the set. And it wasn't until Toronto councillor John Fillion stepped in on the scene that production was actually halted. Fillion said that the scene featured a superhero killing bystanders and a horrific attack occurred in, a, in real life in 2018 at the place of the filming. And it was way too close to many locals who found the sequence that it was being filmed was t- distasteful. And I believe it was probably when Homelander was picturing like... 
Yeah. Killing everybody, and they obviously had to film that, even yeah. though it was in his head. It could be that or the one where he lasered the guy and everybody was behind him when he did it. Well, this yeah. was season two. He was the. the oh, this, season two. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So, yeah, it wasn't the one for season oh. yeah, three there. Oh, boy. Which yeah. definitely happened to an interesting reaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah There's definitely some commentary. So, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, I would like to think that they didn't know that that was a thing that had happened there, but. Yeah. yeah. Do your research. <laughs> uh, another thing being, so the actor who plays Black Noir, his name is Nathaniel Mitchell. Mm-hmm. He actually has the same allergies as Black Noir. Oh. Because <laughs> one of the big things is like that's how they. Yeah, the nut allergy. The nut allergy. And that has been brought up many a times. But apparently Nathaniel Mitchell also has an allergy to nuts. Well, I mean, at least he can play it. What if that's where they know. got the idea? <laughs> you know, Maybe. yeah, because it's such a departure from the comic books. I, yeah, because in the comics, he was the clone of Homelander. Yep. Not the case here. Uh, it, another thing was Starlight, the actress who played Starlight, also had a problem with the suit. So the uh, act or the character Starlight in the comics and in the show, when she was given a much skimpier outfit, which, by the way, if you ever read the comics, it was it's way worse. skimpier. Worse. Yeah, yeah, way yeah. Worse. Postage stamps and uh, uh, dental floss. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But apparently, the only she didn't have a problem. Like morality speaking, is just hard to get in and out of. Which I do not blame her. Like that I mean, does a, a look lot, difficult. Yeah, a lot of those costumes, especially with hers too. I mean, it just looks ridiculous. You'd never see me wearing one of those. Oh boy, there goes my dreams. <laughs> Gosh, I really. You know, I was holding out till Christmas. No, no, oh, no, wow. no, not happening. No. Uh, another really cool thing. So Karen Fukuhara is a. Uh, uh, Plays Kamiko. Oh, yes. We love her. The female, if you remember also in the comics, that's what they call her. Yep. Um, the actress actually learned how to do sign language. And with the help of a, like a sign language expert, they were able to come up with her own uh, sign language specific to her and her brother, which now Frenchie uses. So they actually created it with the help of studying a sign language. Oh, so with, this oh, is that's cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, with so Amanda a, Richer, the oh. sign language uh, expert. So it's so this isn't so. There's some stuff that if you know sign language, you'll be like, I don't know what she's saying there because it's her own. Yes, but oh, she wow. did learn sign language for this. That's, what, that's I mean that's pretty impressive when you think about it because that's a whole new language you got to learn. I try to do the alphabet ones and that took me forever. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Uh, one we kind of already knew we discussed last season. Stormfront was originally a male. Mm-hmm. Yep. They just they gender swapped them. Uh, Starlight's costume designer looks familiar. So early on in season one, Starlight is giving a brand new costume, the one we just talked about. And the costume designer is very reputable and designed the suit just for her. Starlight rejects the costume due to the fact that it isn't the image that she wants to portray and the designer is not happy, uh, not happy with it. But many of the show's faithful viewers pointed out that the designer's, the designer character looked very similar to another famous superhero costume designer. Is that Edna? Edna Moe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Edna has large black glasses, a bob, and a very memorable voice, as does Starlight's designer. And some fans have speculated that the character in The Boys is a direct homage to The Incredibles. And no capes. But, I mean, that is definitely not Edna Mode because... Yeah, there's well, actually, no. Her new costume didn't have a cape. Yeah, but I mean, everyone else had capes. Yeah, there's so many yeah. people that had do that did have capes. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so apparently, and I was a little confused on this because many, many years ago, before Preacher and before the boys came out, you know, for us to view, mm-hmm. BJ on our regular show on our main job, BJ got to interview Seth Rogen. That's right. And I think you asked him at the time. You're like, oh, you really like comic books, and this is stuck with me. It's like, what are something you love right now that you love reading or that you would love to work on? And I believe in the interview he said, oh, you know, I really love Preacher and I really love The Boys, which is something that you've also read, too. So you were able to bro down with him. And years later, look at that. He was able with his partner, Evan Goldberg, 
co-created the TV adaptation for Preacher, which was really, really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, which was actually co-written by Garth Ennis, who also wrote the boys comic. So after writing and directing a few episodes of The Preacher, it seemed like, you know, Rogan and Goldberg would be the perfect uh, fit for the boys. However, because of scheduling conflicts, the duo had to drop out as writers and directors, but ended up sticking with their executive producer roles. Uh, and you see that yeah. as because Seth Rogen, I mean, does make an appearance in season three. So Apparently he did another one, and I don't remember. Oh, I don't remember either. Because it says, although Rogen never wrote or directed an episode of The Boys, he did appear as a guest star in episodes of both seasons of the show as a fictional version of himself. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't know when else he's been in this it. In The Boys? Yeah. Wow. So I'm curious about that, too. Yeah. I'm not sure that happened. Unless he was a voice or if he pretended to just be another random actor. Yeah. I'm not sure. Okay. But I am am blanking on that if that happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely. One we didn't know before became an Amazon Prime show. It was almost on Cinemax. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, And it was definitely, if you guys think this show is messed up, gory. Yes. This (laughs) is toned (laughs) down for television. Yes, it is. So the show has a lot of gratuitous depictions of sex and violence. It, yeah, no, this is... And Herogasm, the episode from uh, this last mm-hmm. season, was definitely toned down from the books. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. And I mean, and that was one of those things that like, Vicky and I were talking about. It was just like, you know, this one, I was expect- I don't maybe just because the expectations of like horrifying imagery is like, like just like the bar is set so high. I was like, it wasn't that bad. No, it really and it was wasn't. like the story was fine. Yeah. And yeah, I did have to look up on the boys uh, wiki and Seth Rogen appears in a Vought press ju- junket promoting his film Black Noir Insurrection. Ah, that's right. So yeah, so he was, uh, and after Translucent's funeral, he appears in an interview where he talks about Translucent and the oh, Translucent totally, Invisible totally Force funny. films. So yeah, so he was doing that and then he uh, ends up in season three in a cameo that I can't even say his name, uh, but he was a video um, watcher. Yeah. Uh, for you know, Crimson Countess. For like yes. Cam Girl Crimson Countess. He yeah. Was at, at the, um, yeah, Saving the Chimpanzees, customer. I think I remember that. It's going to be time to there. maybe binge The Boys because I yeah. have not done, now that all three seasons are done, I haven't done that. I'm in the middle of binging Umbrella Academy, so I might Just have to, to do that. to rewatch everything. Nice. Yeah, I think it's time. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's, the one of the things they do point out, and it makes a lot of sense, is that because the show does have a lot of, or it has a lot of gratuitous violence and everything, Mm -hmm. but there's always a reason and it's crucial to the plot. Yeah, and that's like one of those things too. It's not, I mean, obviously it's it's over the top, but there's a reason why it's there too. Uh, One more, Vicky. Um, Even though the, the show is set in New York City, was not actually filmed in New York City. Filmed in Toronto. Shocking. Right? Wow. Well, and I mean, that's just one of those ones that absolutely makes sense with that. I'll be honest, I was surprised it wasn't filmed in Georgia. I mean, but like, or like, I mean, yeah. just like everything. Vancouver. Is. Yeah, yeah. Like Vancouver's the good one for the West Coast. <laughs> Georgia's anything like in the country, definitely. So I guess Toronto right. would be just everybody's New York. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> the cheaper New York, more tax breaks. Well, until next time, guys, stay nerdy.